Welcome to uh, another episode of, of the Authentic Conviction podcast. Uh, we have a special treat today. We actually uh, lucked out, and on short notice, we were able to grab a former Ohio State Buckeye quarterback, uh, friend of, 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 of mine and friend of our firms, and now a, a member of our team uh, here at Fortegic, which is really exciting. We're going to unpack a lot of stuff, but Greg Fry, graduate, 86 graduate of St. X High School and uh, a three-year starter at Ohio State, which which uh, you probably can't count on two hands how many men have done that at a, a very storied program. But uh, we've got Greg Fry with us today. And before I really go through his his whole resume, I'm gonna I want to first of all thank Greg, welcome Greg, and like we do every single episode, I want Greg to tell us a little bit about him uh, for people that may not know as much about him. And we've got a lot of good stories to share for later on. But uh, Greg, we have him via Zoom from Columbus, Ohio, and we're, we're glad to have you and we really appreciate it. But uh, welcome to the podcast. And we would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself that they may not know. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm in Columbus now. I grew up in Cincinnati. So I grew up on the west side, went to St. James um, and uh, went to St. Xavier. Very proud of my, my St. X days. Uh, love the Bombers. And, uh, you know, was very fortunate to have an opportunity to go to Ohio State. And I think, um, yes, I played football at Ohio State. And, you know, in terms of of what somebody may not know is actually my goal when I went to Ohio State was to play both football and baseball. Um, so I did start for three years in the football side, but also my last two years at Ohio State, I was able to play uh, baseball for Ohio State and, and had a truly amazing experience. And uh, and I'm very proud of that because that's something that, you know, I got I got a plaque back there that uh, represents both of those. And that's that was uncharted territory. Nobody had done that. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, uh, it was a major effort. And I, I think I had a lot of people that were, were detractors telling me that it wasn't a good idea. But at the time, I just felt very convicted to do both. And, uh, and it was able to do that and still excel in school at Ohio State and had a tremendous experience. Um, but I, I would say, looking back, uh, my time at St. Xavier really, really prepared me uh, for what I was going to experience in my college days um, at Ohio State. I'm, I'm very proud of that. Post, you know, my, my athletic days, I've, I've stayed in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus is now my home. I still travel back to Cincinnati quite a bit and family down there. But, uh, you know, I've ventured into multiple things um, career-wise beyond, beyond my Ohio State days. I spent 16 years in the real estate business and, uh, like many, has had to deal with the ups and downs of, of uh, the economy and, you know, went through a pretty, pretty challenging time, 2000, 2008, 2009, like a lot of people did. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm fortunate that my, my athletic experiences have really helped me to learn how to deal with those situations, you know, and deal with success and deal with adversity like that, that situation. So, and obviously now, you know, joining your team, this is a, it's a pretty exciting uh, time for me just uh, to continue to grow and help people uh, and give back to others, uh, which I truly, truly love. Um, I think football also has maintained a part of my life, and I'm very, very grateful for that. You know, I, I wondered, like, post-playing days and what that was going to look like. And in the last 25 years, I've, I've had a cup of coffee coaching high school football. Uh, I still train young quarterbacks. Uh, I have really have a passion for that because I think at my heart I'm, I'm a coach and I'm a teacher. Um, so to be able to work with young men and, and mold them and grow them to – put them in a position to succeed at their best, whether it's a high, you know, middle school, high school, or college uh, for that matter. Um, that's been, uh, it has been, and still is uh, a passion of mine. And on the broadcasting side, again, very fortunate that I spent 
think, 10 years doing pregame and postgame for high State football on the radio with 610 WTVN here in Columbus. Uh, and also for the last 17 years, have been a part of uh, uh, playoff coverage and uh, state final coverage for the OHSAA with a variety of networks, most recently uh, Spectrum. Um, and that's just been a blast. You know, I've gotten to know a lot of coaches around the state, and uh, I've got to see a tremendous amount of football. And I still consider myself a student of that game. So to be able to sit, you know, in that kind of catbird seat, looking down at the games, and taking that in, it's just been it's been a joy for me. I, you know, I, I kind of pinch myself that you know this is something, you know, I do is is it's kind of a hobby, but you know, I get paid to do that. And, and yeah, I get, uh, it's important for me and a passion for me to be part of. Of Friday nights, and that's that's never gotten old for me. I just it's such a cool thing in the state of Ohio. We have such a great thing, and and not only not only college football and pro football, but high school football. Um, and ultimately, on the family side, uh, I could got two great children. Uh, my son Jackson is thirteen, uh, and my daughter Lucy is nine, and uh, they keep me quite busy. So, you know, I, I make sure that uh, when I'm spending time with them, I'm focused on them as much as I can, amongst everything else I've got going on. So, they're they're a very good balancer for me. So that's it. That's kind of that's an update of kind of what's going on in my life now. That that's that's a you did a you did a great job there. And I will tell you, uh, there's there's an old I always use this this quote. It's a Maya Angelou quote, which is, you know, I may not always remember what you say, but I'll always remember how it made me feel. And I always take that from a leadership perspective and how I want to have an authentic reaction to how people are because a lot of times when you're dealing with former athletes, current athletes, uh, you know, uh, uh, of the variety you know how it goes is there, there's this entitlement that enters the room even before they do. And I got to say this, you know, certainly not to blow smoke because this is an authentic conviction podcast here. Um, but the thing that took me back about you the most was, was your humbleness. And I think, you know, when you look at it, you know, even as I'm looking through this today, you know, I've kind of viewed you as, you know, Greg Fry, you know, uh, an aspiring part of our team. You know, I'm not looking at it through the lens of Greg Fry, three-year starting quarterback, or Greg Fry, who led the Buckeyes back from the largest deficit ever, you know, uh, as, as a starting quarterback against Minnesota in the 80s. You know, people will remember the legend, and for me, it's like I value and respect your accomplishments, but value you as a man. And I got to say, for me, you know, the cool thing in meeting you and why I even wanted to do this today was was how authentic you have become. And I'm sure that you're going to we're going to unpack a lot today. And I'm sure that you would tell me that as a 20 year old, maybe you had that entitlement. Maybe that some of that hit you a little harder then. But now as a grown man, a father, a professional, all those things, you know, how you've been able to, you know, take what you've seen probably with, with a lot of your teammates, a lot of people you've seen in this industry Heck, even high school kids are, are a little bit entitled now because they see themselves on Fox Sports and on all these recruiting rankings. But how has that evolution for you been to say, you know what, uh, my accomplishments don't make me, I make me. You know, my convictions are, uh, uh, we, we call it a tapestry on this, on this podcast. How has my tapestry become what it is to be a humble, authentic version of me? Can you talk to me a little bit about that evolution from Ohio State quarterback Greg Fry to uh, current Greg Fry? Sure. I think, uh, again, I, I got to give credit where credit's due to my parents and really my, my coaches at a younger age to prepare me for that. And, and you know, I think, again, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of thanks to St. X because I don't think I realized at the time how much I, that was preparing me for what I was going to go into. And even in my days at Ohio State, I felt like I tried to be, I, I mean, I really tried to focus on humility and, and you know, kind of stay in my own bubble, not letting that all get to me. But what I realized was, 
you are in a bubble and you are, you know, you're on scholarship in, in a lot of ways and, uh, and lifted up in a lot of ways and you become accustomed to that. So I feel like that whole time I felt like I, I had humility, but I, I, I think like a lot of athletes, when you leave a situation like that is when it really hit me like, holy cow, like, you know, you, you, you begin, begin to expect a lot of those things, you know, like just everything's taken care of for you. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. when it's not, that's an eye opener. That's a shocker. And that was an adjustment for me. Like, even though I felt like I was being humble about the whole thing, you know, I, I mean, you develop an attitude of you kind of expect those things internally, whether it's subconscious or conscious. So that was a big challenge for me. And I, I think that's <clears throat> another part of, I think, a challenge a lot of guys go through or, or even ladies for that, that standpoint of transitioning from a position like that to, you know, getting into your, you know, the rest of your life. But I think for me, it's just that it comes down to a belief that I don't want to hang my hat on everything I did in the past. I'm proud of all that. Uh, extremely proud of that. But it's really about today and where I'm going forward. And mm-hmm. I can use all of that, those experiences to help me going forward. And I, and I absolutely do. Yet, I don't want to be that guy that's, you know, hey, I did that. Hey, I did this. You know, what about this? What about that? Um, you know, if somebody brings it up, I'm happy to talk about it. That's great. Um, you know, and, and again, like to me, the trophies are, are reminders to me you know, of things that I have done and that I'm capable of doing new things. So the focus is always, you know, where am I at now? Where am I going? But not being too reliant on, on all that, because to me, mm-hmm. you know, trophies can be, I mean, I, I, I've done a presentation. I've got a big golf trophy over here. Um, I was, I'm a state champion from uh, 2003, the Ohio, the Ohio uh, public links. And, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I, there's a, there's no story with that, but the story is that trophies can be just vapor too. They're just mm-hmm. trophies. You know, mm-hmm. and they collect dust in it. But if you focus too much on that, it can pull you into that. You're not, and it takes you out of today and where you're at today. So uh, that, that's a, that's kind of a, that's an open can of worms there. But yeah, I, I think, I hope I, I, my point came across, which is, you know, uh, I'm proud of all those things, but it doesn't define who I am today. Uh, one of the things that we have in common is, uh, you know, our passion for golf. And I would argue being a, you know, fairly avid golfers. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, just below a two handicap and you're, you're probably a plus two. I don't know, but we what? have, a, yeah, <laughs> the older I get, the better I was. And, yeah. and I will tell you, as soon as I was done playing baseball in college, I really ramped up my golf efforts. And so I played in that pub links event. I have some, I have some stories to talk to you about actually one of my, one of my best friends in the world who you'll meet this summer was on the nationwide tour for a handful of years, a really good player played at Miami. Um, he happened to be in town and caddied for me once in the pub links. Okay. And I'll never forget. I, I played with Jim Herman and Jim won't remember this, wow. uh, but Jim, Herman, I, I beat him by six shots in the front. And, uh, and so he got really mad on the back and, uh, it's not a one-on-one event. It's not match play. It's a two day quality, but, um, but ended up falling apart and missing, missing qualifying by two shots back then. And, uh, I believe that was the year that it was, uh, it was out at Pebble. You're talking about the U S public. That's a, that's a bigger deal than what I played in, but that's a, that's a, that's a huge tournament. That's all awesome. you, but you won. I was, I was, I couldn't even qualify through the local, but, <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I, I would argue that. Um, again, using that word tapestry, that, that, that maturation process, now, I could be wrong. I'm throwing myself out here. So just tell me, nope, you're wrong, Joe, but I'll bet you that you still to this day, remember a few of the missed shots or missed putts, similar to how you remember some of your missed passes that you threw in key games from that tournament. So it's like, yeah, you got a trophy, but I'll bet you, you could tell me two or three of the shots that you missed hit or putts that you, that you didn't read right or hit right. Do you have memory of those? And from that, just as one simple example. 
you know, and in, in that example, honestly, I, I remember the good stuff. <laughs> That's um, good. I, no, you're right. You're right. Because no, I, I, and I do have a tendency to do that because there's a lot of football plays that I remember that and or people will remind me of, hey, what, what happened here? You know, I didn't mm -hmm. think that play. Um, but yeah, in this case, actually, um, I had a three stroke lead with three holes to play. And the guy's playing against Birdie at 16 and 17 to pull within uh, to pull within one. And then I made a really stupid bogey on 18. Like I airmail, I, you know, I, if, if you watch a lot of, I like watching, you know, pro golf because I like to see how guys handle the pressure, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got about 145 yards in, you know, to a back pin where you can't miss long. And I took too much club and with some adrenaline, I flew the green. And I'm short-sided now. I'm like, I'm, I could lose this thing right now. Mm -hmm. So I had to get up and down from the, I had to chip to the front of the green and get up and down back to go into a playoff where I, if I just play smart, right. I win. Yep. So yeah, I, I, I do remember that well, but I, I think, and I have multiple stories like that where I've, I've under pressure, you do things like you just don't, you don't think properly, but you have to be in that situation and learn how to do it the next time. But I, I know for me in that situation and a few others, uh, I quickly got my head refocused um, and I won the first playoff hole and it was game over. So I, I mm -hmm. got out of that quick. I didn't, I didn't let that linger. Um, and to me, those are such great life lessons. Yes. Uh, yes. That happened on a golf course. You know? So yeah, I do remember some of the bad shots. With your quarterback, your Monday, like Sunday film or Monday film, you don't have your coach sitting there patting your back saying, oh, Greg, great job there. 90% of film is you looking at all this stuff you could have done a little better. Where'd the protection break down? Where'd you miss a read? Where'd you miss that? And the whole idea of this podcast is, is we spend so much time beating ourselves up that we never spend equal or more time building ourselves up. So beat down, beat down, beat down, and then let me somehow grow. So I want to make this clear for all of our listeners. I'm not a complete moron. Um, so I understand the importance of, of hard work and, and, and focusing on the things that are wrong. So I think what the lesson that could come from today is that it's a balance. On Monday, I always tell my kids, practice like you're the worst and play like you're the best. Because it's going to force you to find your warts, find those things that you need to really, you know, uh, sharpen the blade with, right? Um, mm -hmm. But when we get to a point where we need to really affirm ourselves and build ourselves back up, that is of equal value to me, if not greater value. And in our business, forget business, in our lives, as fathers, as, uh, you know, whatever, professional spouses, whatever area we need to really keep our focus on in that moment, I think it's pretty important to understand how valuable you are as much as it is to understand how much you need to work on. And yeah. so in your life now, how do you find time to balance that, man, this is what I really need to work on, but Hey, I'm pretty good in these areas too, you know, and I want to take, take time to figure out what makes me great. I think that's a, a fabulous question. And I, and I agree with that. Um, I think for me, it's about, a, I, I've been blessed with a self-awareness. Um, that I'm constantly evaluating it. And maybe, maybe it's, I've, I've been blessed with that and, or from my, my, really from my football days of watching film, right? That's just so ingrained with you. You know, you, I, and I use that term quite a bit. Let's watch the film. Like after a meeting, it's like, okay, let's watch the film. Let's review the meeting, right? How, how do we do here? Did, what could we have done better? Uh, you know, wh where are we going next? And I just, that's so ingrained with me that it's just part of my life. You know, thinking back to all those film days and, and you're right, because I can think back to, high school film and college film, those weren't very positive for the most part. Um, you know, the good plays like, Hey, good job. You know, throw a touchdown. Like, okay, good job. You're supposed to do that. Right. But on the 10 plays you messed up, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, sometimes fairly negative, sometimes really negative. 
and, and that was a, a, a time period when that's just how that's how that was coached. You know, as I've graduated to, to being able to coach now, I still watch a lot of film with my young my young quarterbacks because even in the offseason, because it's so important that they can learn from that. And um, I don't know, I, I've taken that to the point of of I'm very much an encourager. So, you know, I'll point out the things that we got to work on, but I will focus on the things that they did well to make sure that, you know, you, I am uplifting and I, I pay very close attention to that. And I think for me personally, you know, I, you really hit on something there because I can still be very uh, negative to myself. And I had to learn that positive self-talking and positive motivation in, in the midst of trying to, you know, those thoughts in your head, like, you got to fix this, you got to do that, you got to do that. Uh, and that's, that's a constant, constant challenge for me, but I've gotten a lot better. I'll say that. Yeah. And I, you know, I get asked the question a lot. So when I'm in my role of um, recruiting and developing people that are coming into this business, this business is not for everybody. It's, it's crazy because it is the most rewarding business. Nobody can find me a business that creates, you know, a better residual professional life, you know, uh, financially and otherwise one that, that, that in my opinion serves people in their, in their, in their moments of most need, uh, but proactively. Right. But, but in order to be able to handle and withstand the highs and lows and get through that maturation process, it is, it is not for, for, for people that can't handle some failure. Right. But what people always say is, okay, so what's the starting point? And you're going to love this because I actually like in golf too. And, you know, I coach baseball, youth baseball, and I've coached almost 30 seasons of different sports and I love it. And I would say that in, even though we as athletes will have a critical eye or we as professionals have a critical eye, like, Oh, we need to work on that. We need to work on that. Heck I do it in my basement. I curate my basement with memorabilia and all this stuff. And every time I go down there, I'm like, man, I could have done this differently. Like, why do I always, I think that's what drives us to be great. Right. Because you're never really complacent with where you are. But I would argue that, you know, um, I will use, I'll pivot a little bit to your, to your quarterback coaching because you're obviously a very established quarterback coach. You've worked with some great quarterbacks that um, have gone on to play, you know, high division one college football. It's amazing what you've been able to do. And so what I do when I look at my team, and I would argue that this also goes to the point of recruiting the right players. I think that's what Urban Meyer did so well is it wasn't that he was getting all the best five stars. He was getting the right ones that fit what he needed to do. So, Hey, I need a quarterback that can move a little bit out of the pocket. You know, when he's recruiting, let me start with a kid that has a skill set as this or as this. And so for you, when you're looking at your, your professional career, whatever, you know, or as a quarterback coach, let's be exclusive to that. When you look at a quarterback and you're at St. X high school and the dad's like, Hey, my kid's going to, you know, he really wants to work. He's a good, this, that you might hear it a little bit, but what you're doing, I'm assuming is saying, let me see what this kid does well first. And let's use that as a building block. Is that a fair assumption on what you do? Absolutely. I've learned to, I don't get too excited because I hear a lot from parents, you know, parents are obviously very biased and I've heard everything you can hear from a parent, you know, my kids, the greatest things in sliced bread to, you know, Hey, I don't know if my kid's really good, but you know, he he wants to do this. Let's go try this and everything in between. Um, So I I think for me at that point, it's really evaluating just where they're at and what I see and and not creating expectations in my mind. I've I've made, because I've made that mistake because I don't know. I, you know, the kid could, he could throw, I've had one of the best natural throwers that I've ever had didn't start in high school. And it blew my mind because this kid was a, he just was gifted throwing the football. And he was like a six, four kid. And his coach, Steve Hale uh, at Old Change of Liberty, long, long time, fabulous coach in Columbus, 
put up free safety. And I just shook my head like, and he's got another guy playing quarterback that's not as good of an athlete. But what Steve understood, it took me a while to get this, that he was putting the pieces of the puzzle together to what made sense for his team. Well, the young man that I was coaching ended up getting a Division One scholarship to play free safety in the MAC. <laughs> you know, he went to Kent State and played four years at free safety. So, you know, I'm, I, I learned something like, okay, I don't, you know, just because I think I see what I see doesn't mean that's what that coach sees. Right. So I've learned to very much focus on the things that we need to work on right now and understand that it's a process. And I'm going to help put these young men in a position to be better this year and succeed, you know, and put them in a position where they can go do their thing, where they can, they can take their abilities. And when their opportunity comes, they're ready to go. And then the next year we build on that. And another story is, you know, I worked with a, I had a, a quasi friend approached me, business friend, say, Hey, my, my, my nephew's seventh grader, you know, he's got a pretty good arm. Let's go, you know, will you work with him? I sure, you know, so we, we met and we threw the ball and he was kind of scrawny and skinny. He had a decent arm, you know, and, and uh, he grew a little bit in eighth grade as a, as a freshman still kind of, you know, he might've been six foot, you know, buck 60. And then he exploded as a sophomore. Um, and this was Brady Quinn who went to Dublin Kaufman here in Columbus um, went to Notre Dame. Yeah, there you go. Right? I, I knew I was going there. Just talk about softball, right? Uh, I didn't even mention 88 when you were at Ohio State who won the national championship. I laid off uh, that, Greg. I don't know what you're talking about. That's a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> Tony Rice, who holds. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Right? They didn't want me because I was an athlete. Sorry. I was, yeah, I was yeah. better in those days. Hey, they missed out. <laughs> but my point is, is, is that even with Brady, I had no idea. No clue he was going to be what he was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, we just went through that process and, 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 you know, he just exploded into an amazing talent and set a ton of records at Notre Dame. But I will say in that situation, you know, when it got to the point where we all knew he was going to be really good, I sat him down um, <clears throat> right before he committed to Notre Dame. It was, it was probably March or so early, you know, after you committed. And I said, look, I said, Charlie Weiss recruited him, right? Yes. And, yeah. And their quarterback stable was really pretty weak at the time. They had a, a, a really an athlete playing quarterback. It wasn't a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I said, Brady, look, you can play as a freshman. I said, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this, but you can absolutely go there and play as a freshman. But here are the things we need to do. You know, you really got to lock into film study now. And when you show up in the summer, you got to show those coaches that you have an understanding of what you're looking at defensively. You need to be able to talk that terminology and you got to be on at least have a basic understanding of pass protection. If you can do those things, your physical abilities are enough that you will probably play as a freshman. And he did. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, but it was a very specific process, you know, matching up with where he was at the time, but seventh grade, no clue. Yeah. I guess to wrap it all up, you know, when, when, I, when a young man comes to me now, you know, I, I'm very careful now. I don't put expectations on it because I don't know. We don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen in the next three or four years. I've had a handful of guys go play other positions because they're such great athletes. They project well at a slot receiver or outside linebacker or free safety or strong safety or whatever that may be. So, and I'm pretty direct with them about this. You know, we don't know, but, yep. but I do know is you have a passion to work and I have a passion to help you. Let's go to work. And, and, and you just teed up a shout out because you brought the fan in me because back then what a lot of people don't know. And if I've got Notre Dame fans listening, he had a teammate in high school named Chinadum and who was one of the best receivers in the state that year and didn't play receiver at Notre Dame or at yeah, Notre Dame. He ended up playing like basically a safety yes. position. 
Yes. And to this day, still has one of the nastiest hits I've ever seen. I think it was against Calvin Johnson, Megatron, against Georgia Tech. But, um, you know, Chinadum ended up playing professionally. And yeah. it's actually still in the Cincinnati area. So we're going to give a shout-out to Chinadum, do, too. And, uh, but, you know, and, and Brady was surrounded by a guy named Maurice Stovall, Rima McKnight, Jeff Samarja. And, and I think that what happened during that time is still one of the greatest memories of my life. I was holding my, at the time, my, like, two-month-old son and we had we were at our in-laws house because our gas leak at our house long story but I'm holding my son he just fallen asleep and Brady Quinn hits Samarja on that last touchdown against UCLA if you remember that game to win it and they had like 40 it was amazing and I had to had to silently scream as I'm holding <laughs> my son and and so Brady Quinn and Samarja are two of my favorite of all time but um you know, I think one of the cool one of the cool lessons that can be pulled from that. And by the way, every single one of those dudes is going to be is going to be uh, copied on this. They're gonna they're gonna see us talking about them. You're talking about your quarterback. You know, from Columbus. You're talking about Brady Quinn. I would argue that I'm I'm uh, the team that I coach. You know, these kids are. I mean, shoot, it's hard as an Ohio amateur baseball team to be a top thirty team in the country, and we've done that because of what we've been able to put together. And we did it by keeping the same guys. It wasn't a, what's the shiniest toy in Cincinnati? Right. And we, how can we put the best players? Right. It's, been, it's been a process because some of them think, oh, I want to be a catcher. I want to be a pitcher. I want to be a shortstop. But you talk about authentic conviction. That comes in different varieties. And I would argue that that safety that played at Kent, you know, that, guy, that kid played four years of Division I football, and yeah. he probably didn't realize even what his true conviction, what his skill set was, because he, in his mind, said, I'm a quarterback, I'm a quarterback, I'm a quarterback, and never allowed that time to really walk through a discovery process of, am I really a quarterback, you know? And so I think there's a lot of lessons. So do you, do you, do you have those discussions? Have you ever had a moment with a quarterback where you're coaching him? You're like, all right, I'm getting paid to do this and help him. But in my mind, maybe this guy's not a quarterback. I mean, have you ever had to have those conversations? Yeah, I think, you know, that that's a lot of times it really comes down to what the parents think, you know, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, especially at that level, because the parents have expectations. Hey, I want my kid to play. He's, you know, he's going to be a quarterback. And and I, so as you're asking me that, the flashbacks I'm having, I've had a lot of conversations with parents. They got it to, to educate them. They, they got it more open-minded that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of competition out there. You know, yes, I believe in your, your young man as well, you know, but maybe he, we don't know in a couple of years where he's going to be. I, but I, what I tell them is he's a very good athlete. He may not project at a quarterback at the next level or the next year or two, but he's such a good athlete that he'll play somewhere. He's got to be on the field. we got to figure out where that is. And what I've learned is quarterbacks that, that have been – guys that have been trained as quarterbacks really project what other positions because they have a great knowledge of the game. So they're a good fit and quick, they can quickly adapt to other positions because they understand the game, they're students of the game. But, you know, trying to convince some parents of that is, is a challenging thing because they're parents, they're biased. And I get that. I have my, my kids too. And, and I would say probably 85% of parents are not that way, but a 15%, you know, they've got this mindset that my kid's going to go down this road and that's where they're going to go. And, and I've got to soften that approach to, you know, just be a little more open-minded to that. So that's probably... That's a, that's a constant challenge I have, but I'm, I'm direct about it, but, but, you know, I don't, you can't smash them over the head and just lay it mm -hmm. on it, but I'll, I will have that discussion if needed. And it's tough too, Greg, and, and I know that you can relate to this as a parent is on one hand, you and I are having this discussion as grown adults who have been through multiple phases of our life, multiple life moments that have, that have brought us where we are. And, and had we been robbed of those, of those moments where we had to really figure things out on our own. 
we probably wouldn't be here. So on one hand, we're trying to force this, this authentic mindset that we want our kids to have. But on the other hand, they got to figure that crap out on their own, right? Like that's the thing as a parent and as a professional is I think the best teacher of all is failure, you know? And as a quarterback, now kind of not kind of getting into the into the fun stuff, you know, like for you, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, you were you were a part of of what we think, and we'll fact check this: the second greatest comeback in the history of college football, down thirty-one to nothing to the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and 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 brought your team back to to a victory, and another exciting win over LSU, which was equally impressive, really, with the amount of time that you had and fans leaving the stands and and never giving up, you know. But I would assume that. You know, those moments were one, one or a couple of many that have led you to really find who you are as a person, because I would assume when you get in the huddle, Greg, and you're in those moments where you know, all right, I got lead, they're going to see right through your BS if you're not being straight with them. So how have those moments, and those two are, are pretty specific ones, but how have those moments forced you to get real and not be somebody that you think others want you to be, you know, and find it, finding that authentic, uh, you know, I call it that, that, that juju, that whatever you got inside of you, you know, how, has, have those moments helped you that both failure and success has helped you get where you are? Totally. Uh, and I reflect back on those quite a bit. I think, you know, as far as defining who I am, I think those mo- moments helped me understand who I am and what I have inside of me. Um, you know, very much a no quit attitude. I, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I tended to get way more focused in those moments and I can't really explain why that was, but I think I, I do remember my coaches, they wanted me to be more vocal and I wasn't necessarily a really vocal leader, but I led by example. And what, what I did know in the huddle is that I could trust the guys around me and they knew they could trust me. And I, and that was developed and earned over practice and, and previous successes. You know, I think, you know, you can talk about those games and it really goes back to, um, you know, my freshman year, I had a game, um, well, Earl Bruce was my coach in my, in my, my freshman year in Ohio State. I played about six games and he tossed me in a number of games when I did not expect it, including a couple of times when it was in the heat of a big game, when I was shocked, like I'm standing on the field, like, what am I doing here? Right. <laughs> and, and he knew what he was doing. So he was preparing me and in the last game of my, my freshman year, I got tossed in a game against Michigan, you know, because of circumstances in, in a very tight a, a tie game at the time, big third down situation. He lets me throw the ball. I get a first down and my confidence goes through the roof. And not only does my confidence go up, but the guys around me, their confidence goes up because they know I can, I can handle that situation. So if you fast forward to LSU uh, in Minnesota and even Iowa, my senior year, you know, where we had to develop comebacks, you know, I think the one thing the guys in the huddle knew that I believed, like, you know, does anybody in the huddle believe it's me, you know, and, and not only did I believe that it could happen, I believed that it would happen. And, and that got contagious. And, you know, when, when, when I started making plays and this, those guys started making plays, you know, that belief just grew and grew and grew and that led to, you know, successes. But at the same time, you know, yes, there's a couple of times when it didn't work, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think of games where I threw a pick where, you know, we're going for the winning drive and, and I've done that in a couple of big games and man, those hurt. I mean, those hurt, you know, you know, imagine being a quarterback at Ohio state and you're playing Michigan, you throw a pick on the last drive of the game, you know? Yeah. You and got you, 10 for sale signs in your yard when you get back. Right. right? Well, and guess what? I got to go face the media after the game. Yeah. Before I go talk to my family, I, you know, and I'm 19, 20 years old. Right. And I got to answer to all the media going, well, what happened? Why didn't you make the throw? What, you know, what did you see? And, you know, 
And then I got to deal with my coaches, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty challenging situation. So I, I think for me, um, if I go back to my English major days, you know, it, it was a growth from innocence to experience, you know, mm -hmm. and universities, boy, that man, you grow up real quick when you have to, you, you're forced to deal with those situations. You know, it's, it's playing quarterback at Ohio state, you know, when you have to go play at one o'clock on a Saturday, you got to go play. And in the days leading up to that, you know, there's this, this uh, intensity of emotion of fear and anxiety, which is normal, right? Mm -hmm. And any guy that would say that that's not true is, is that they don't feel that's, that's not true. You feel that and you can't get out of it. And your brain's going, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to go in front of a hundred thousand people and however many on TV, right? But you have to do it. You got to show up. And not only you got to show up, you got to perform at a high level. And man, that takes some courage. And, you know, I don't think enough guys admit that, that they feel that, you know, so, and to excel, but to still make mistakes. Yes. I've learned a ton from that and, you know, went from innocence to a lot of experience, which is, again, I've carried over into the rest of my life. Well, and I, and I, I this is a huge concept that I hope will resonate with everybody listening to this is it's, it's a constant balance between. So when you really look and say, okay, um, I asked three basic questions on basically a weekly basis, Greg, where am I, where do I want to be and what needs to change to bridge that gap? Isn't that pretty simple yet powerful, right? And I think that people are pretty good at one and two and they're, they're absolutely confused on part three, what needs to change. Cause that forces us to look in that accountability mirror and yeah. And I think that, it, that people will, 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 now, it could be by disposition. We talk a lot about our color personality. So, you know, people take offense a lot when I say you go one of two ways at the fork in the road. You either let fear and, and, and the fear of or uh, focus on result drive you, or you go to the path of this is where I want to be. I know I'm going to succeed. I'm going to focus on the process, not the result which drives you to a path of success, okay? And people that are fear-based, fear-driven, that uh, want to go that route, what I've noticed in me developing people, coaching people, all of that, is that that fear-based manifests, that fear-based mindset manifests in so many ugly ways. Because what happens is, is when you're fear-based, that means you're fearful of a result that you don't like, which means that you won't put yourself in a, in a position to even fail. Right. So now... You were putting that game in Michigan. You were you were you were down thirty-one to nothing. You weren't over, you know, head down like, all right, let's go off tackle left, off tackle right, and cut our losses. It was how are we coming back? Yes. Had you been fear-driven, fear-based, you would have not had taken so many chances, maybe. So, you know, that is I think a huge thing in finding our conviction and who we are is when you can eliminate now, we're always gonna have fear. But using even the golf example, Greg, if you've read um you know, golf is not a game of perfect or, uh, there's, a, there's a couple other, uh, you know, uh, books that you can read on, on, on how the point being, you're never going to eliminate fear nerves, but when you learn how to embrace it, you yes. truly become excellent. Yes. And so it's amazing to me. And so for you, you know, you probably see the similarities. So you're entering, you know, a, a kind of a new chapter professionally. And I would argue that it doesn't matter one bit how many years or months or whatever you've been doing this because you know who you are. You love to lead. You love to coach. And now you can take your clients from where am I, where do I want to be and what needs to change yeah. 
with your conviction just to walking through a discovery. So have you thought a little bit about that transition from Greg Fry, the quarterback coach, former quarterback, all that good stuff, great athlete, great golfer, to, wow, now I'm going to be impacting families. Um, do you see the similarities, and how, are, how is that sinking into how you're going to take all that, all that makes you, your tapestry, into this world of, of financial planning? I'm excited about it because, you know, I, and I, I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. I think for me it's, it's a standpoint of I love to help people, and this is a tremendous way to help people because it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a need that exists out there. And I like the word you used earlier. It's a pr very proactive way, you know, to, to address those needs, you know. I'd rather do it on the proactive standpoint than the reactive standpoint. Mm -hmm. Big difference there. But I, I take it with an attitude of uh, understanding it's going to be a process, you know, for me, you know, I, I, and I've been down this road multiple times and this is part of the process of me kind of wrap my mind around, okay, this is a new chapter. You know, I don't want to focus on the fear and the what if it won't work. It's just, I'm not wired that way. And, and, and again, I think those are natural thoughts that everybody's going to have. But what I focus on is, is, um, you know, for me, it's, it's a, I look at two years to build a foundation because I've done this so many other times before and it, whether it's 18 months or three years or five years, whatever, but for me, that kind of window helps me focus on the next two years of, of really getting my feet solidified, creating foundation of business, you know, marketing to people, let them, letting them know that this is what I'm doing, right? Cause it's a change. Mm -hmm. And simply put, I have to tell them, Hey, I'm doing something different. You know, I'd like to help you. How can I help you? But that takes time. And I've done that a couple of times now in my adult life that, you know, people don't just, I'm not going to call them up in a week and say, Hey, I'm doing this now. Let's go. And they're like, weren't you just doing that? Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I have, I have that awareness. And, and to me that there, there's a patience that comes with that. So one of the terms I use with my young quarterbacks is you have to be patient and impatient at the same time. Yep. It's a big paradox. And this is one I'm telling myself now, which is, look, I got to be patient and trust this process that I'm with a good team. They're going to guide me and teach me how to do this. And I got to be open-minded to learn, which I, I am every day, you know, so that part I've got covered, but I got to be impatient too, that I can't just sit back and, and, you know, kind of put it on cruise control. Like I got to go, mm -hmm. you know, that drives in me too. So it, it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, and I think you have to have an awareness of both because yeah. that, there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be no's. There's going to be adversities. I know that. And they're going to sting probably, you know, I'm, you know, I, I can come across as, you know, I was a quarterback and I led the comebacks, you know, but I'm, you know, I, I'm a pretty sensitive dude. Like, you know, those things still affect me. Right. <laughs> still, yep. So, you know, I'm not perfect with that. I, I still have those ups and downs. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, it, it's, I just, I lock it in that two years and, it sounds cliche. It's like, it's like the, you know, the, the great coaches you hear, the Bill Belichicks and, you know, I'll say Brady, you know, I mean, it's, they, they truly focus on the process and they speak that all the time. And sometimes it just wears you down. You're like, can you just give us something? But really it, it is about that. Yeah. And, you know, in football, another um, teaching point is, is, you know, I ask young players, what is the most important play in football? And again, I didn't create this. This came to me at a critical time in my coaching career when I was struggling with connecting with my quarterback, my quarterback was struggling. I asked for outside help and I got a pretty good friend that is an expert in that field. And we talked about that and he said, okay, Greg, what's the most important play in football? And I'm struggling with it. And the answer is the next one. And it's such a simple thing. And again, that's something I'm going to utilize in the process that, that I'm entering right now, because I learned that as a coach. Now I knew it as a player and I, 
I kind of did that as a player, but I, didn't, I couldn't really quantify it. But when I, when I utilized that as a coach, it helped me become a much better coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not focused on the emotions of what just happened or what could happen in the second half. Right. And, and, but the, the key with this is, is around this stuff is, is I was able to, to utilize that with my, my, my quarterback at the time who first five games of the year struggling through two touchdowns and nine picks. We flipped the mindset for him and me. And he went 10 touchdowns, two interceptions in the last five games. Here. Totally flipped it. Mm-hmm. Mindset change of how I coached him and how we both looked at the game. So that is important to me with everything I do right now. And again, it's, it's still a work in progress. I have to remind myself because I can be a little too impatient, but this is the most important play right now where we're at. Yeah. And that's a great, the, the, and uh, I'll say this quick and then we'll get into our closing minutes here. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Um, but you know, when you talk about, I, I talk a lot about body language and leadership with my young kids that I coach. And I got to remind them, and this is something that really resonated, and you can share, the, share this with your boy too. Um, nothing mind-blowing, but a very simple thing. How many kids at 13, 12, 13, they'll get 01, 02, or even 1, 2, but maybe they saw a pitch they should have absolutely barreled, and they didn't, and what do they do? They, they're, they're, you can see their energy changes because they feel like I'm behind in the count. But some of the best hitters ever, ever, include, I mean, Cincinnati Reds have one and Joey Votto. I, I could argue he's actually a better hitter with two strikes. He might even argue with that because, um, or argue that same point. But there's only one baseball that goes into play. Only one. You might have five pitches to see, not including foul offs. Only one can go and play. So why, what, you know, if that one's behind you and the catcher's mitt doesn't matter, until you're out, you, only one can go in between the lines. And so that, that first and 10 pass that maybe that quarterback missed, you're only, it's one first down at a time. You know, and so I that body language that people display on first and second down is gonna is gonna either kill them on on a third and long or help them on a third and long because they they got to be gaining that information all throughout the at bat or through the series or whatever it might be. But um, so uh, in our closing minutes to, to stay true to our our uh, our timeline here, um, again I just love doing this because this is a quest for people that are listening. I would like for me, I mean, I learn as much from this as anybody, listeners, guests, whatever, because I always find a way to get challenged in this from, from my guests and from people that respond and all of it. So, um, I appreciate this cause I've learned a lot from you, Greg, and I'm, I can't wait to embark on this journey we have ahead of us. Um, but including uh, you helping my son with his, with his footwork, uh, you know, under center. So, uh, but I want, I want the listeners to hear, uh, when I ask you this, so, if you had to identify, if you've done, if you've cheated, that's okay too. If you listen in any of the other episodes, but tell me some of the things that make you awesome. Oh wow! No, and I didn't cheat, by the way. So um, I might have stall a little bit here. What makes me awesome? I think going back to our conversation the last couple of minutes. Number one is um, an attitude of continuous learning. You know, I don't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. I'm three. I've had a lot of great experiences, uh, a lot of ups and downs. I've learned a lot in my life, but I, I preach this to my kids, you know, of, of an attitude of continuous learning. I, I just, cause I, I, I love to learn about life and, and people and it's, uh, it's served me well to this point and will continue to, uh, going forward. Um, you know, you talked about humility, you know, um, I think that's very critical in how I interact with people. Um, 
you know, I don't come out and say, Hey, I'm great Friday play for quarterback for Ohio state. That's not my style. And I'm proud of that, but I'm not going to lead with that. Uh, cause it's, you know, it's part of who I am, but it's not who I am today necessarily. Um, and I think just caring about other people, I think, again, I, I just, it, I love to help people and I love that feeling of what it feels like to help somebody else and really have some satisfaction with that. Um, doesn't matter what industry you're in, I, you know, I, you do that a lot to train quarterbacks, but again, with the door open here, you know, to be able to help people with their insurance and investments, um, it's a very personal thing to people as I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, that excites me to, to be able to help guide people along those lines and, and coach them. And I think the last thing I will say is I am an encourager. Uh, I've become well aware of that. That is a, a gift that I've had that I've been given that uh, I look for opportunities to, and I mean, I get passionate to talk about that. I, I look for opportunities to encourage people, you know, all throughout the day. Um, and again, I, I teach that to my kids. And when I see them do that, I thought, you know, I'll tear up because like, wow, I mean, they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, I, I want to be able to impact people, uh, even in simple conversations when I can. So um, those are the first things that pop in my mind when you ask me a question. So I noticed, I did notice a little hesitation there, right? And we joke around about this in all of our sessions because we go through life and, and you having a daughter, I have two daughters. It's it's probably more germane to my discussions with them than is our sons because, you know, the boys were like, hey, tough it out, right? And then we have a totally different approach. And then our daughters is like, well, wait a minute, you know? So it's like for us, we, you know, that uneasiness that you had for a brief minute coming from somebody like you who has a very decorated career athletically and otherwise, especially in the United States of America, where we place a lot of value on people's athletic careers. I mean, you know, Ohio State quarterback is a demigod in the state of Ohio, right? And and for you to sit here and talk about your humbleness, and by the way, I think there's great strength and vulnerability. I'm the same way. I'm a big baby too, but it's still, you know, uneasy for you to sit and, talk and think about the things that make you great. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And isn't that a weird and almost unhealthy thing that that's how our minds are shaped, right? So what we've done is we've created ways. I spoke to uh, to the Miami University uh, Farmer School of Business last week. You talk about a special moment. That's my alma mater. I was so proud to be there and impact young lives, hopefully. And to see their reaction and how they engage was amazing. But it's really hard to get kids that are going through a really tough time in their life. They feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. They don't even know yet, right? But um, right. But to say, all right, look, we're going to trick your thinking a little bit because naturally what people do is they are drawn to people that are like them, right? So you and I are competitive, we're outgoing, we're, we're, we're alpha males, we're all those things. And so naturally, that's why I had such a connection with you is because you're attracted to that typically, right? You're never drawn to your compliment. You're drawn to what is like-mindedness, right? Yeah. And so you've talked about, you know, uh, your coaches at Ohio State, your high school coaches, but who are maybe uh, in our couple minutes here wrapping up, who are a couple of the people that you would say, you that A, you have a great deal of respect for, and B, what are those things that you respect that have helped, you know, you shape you and who you are today? There's a few for sure. I think, you know, I think my dad for sure, you know, my dad was a bricklayer and, um, you know, worked hard <laughs> to, to give me opportunities. And and yet he was very social um, and, he, and he gave a lot of himself for me. And so that I didn't recognize it at the time. I didn't understand at the time, but I really do now that I, as I'm a parent, you know, how impactful that was to me at the time for the, the doors that he opened up for me. But his work ethic was was second to none. And that was, I think, part of that generation. But, you know, that that is something I remembered as I've gotten older. You know, I had a coach at St. Xavier 
who's a Cincinnati guy, John Sabatello, uh, who is now with Plains. Yep. Uh, Lakota guy. Tremendous, yeah. It was head coach of Lakota, Southwest Ohio coach of the year, like early 90s. Fabulous coach. And I am so grateful that I had him at St. Xavier because he taught me so much. Um, and he had an intensity about him that he demanded, demanded excellence in your best effort all the time. And, you know, there's just, he just held that bar there. He would not bring it down. And boy, that helped me a ton. And not to mention he was a tremendous football coach as far as uh, his ingenuity. He was way out of his time. Um, New tremendous coaching skills from a a footwork standpoint. So I I had all that in high school, which again, I had no clue the value of that going forward. But, you know, John is still, I I tear up thinking about because I've told him this and he knows it. And, he helped me so much from a mentor standpoint, even you know, even beyond my my St. X days at Ohio State when I had some major challenges, and he was a guy that I leaned on. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, he's a mentor in my life, and you know when I come to Cincinnati, we connect quite a bit. You know, we talk business, we talk life, and it's we're still learning. You know, what's great is he's still learning by talking to me, and vice versa. And that's just yep. it's such a fabulous relationship. And, and there are more certainly, but those are two that you know off the top of my head I mean, that have had a big impact on my life. Yeah, that's special. As irony would have it, he actually coached one of my older brothers while he was at Lakota. Yeah. So it's a small world, but um, he, you know, he was he he obviously had a lasting impact. Well, I tell you what, man, this is this has been great, Greg. We we've got a we got a lot of great years ahead of us, and it's first of all, in short notice, to be able to do this. I know we're going to be reaching out to Buckeye Nation. I will tell you this: I've never stepped foot in Ohio State Stadium, so I will tell you that you might be the right. only one that can get me there. So change. I will listen. I'll make you this promise. The first time I ever go there will be with you. That's How about change. that? That changed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I'll be open-minded. I tell people, you don't have to be a football fan, you know, just to experience that is, uh, it's incredible. I mean, you're, you, you might get a bigger kick out of the band than you do, you know, somebody throwing a touchdown because it is off the charts. Like your hair will stand up on your arms. Yeah. Well, it's those moments, right? Like I, I always say people have never been to Notre Dame. I, it turns out you need brains and money to go to Notre Dame. I was over two. Uh, <laughs> my father went there, my late father. So I've kind of carried his torch along. And, and so I'm deeply passionate about the, the university of Notre Dame and the fighting Irish football program and all their sports really. But, um, it's really more about moments, you know, life moments. I've always jo- told my kids, you know, I work hard. Dad works hard because money is another way of purchasing memories, you know, and purchasing life moments. And you've had a lot of them. I've had a lot of them. We get to do a lot of them moving forward together. Um, but pretty cool for Buckeye Nation to tune in and, and get to know a little bit more about you. And we're lucky to have you join our team. And uh, we're going to have a lot more exciting uh, things to share on our next uh, episode. Heck, uh, it's been great, Greg. You, 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 uh, you continue to give back to the community. You continue to lead and mentor and mold young people just the way coach Sabatello did with you. I think that's fantastic. And now we get to grow together. Like I said, so, uh, can't thank you enough. Usually I'm shaking hands with the person sitting next to me, but since we're virtual, I'll give you uh, the virtual fist bump, but, uh, thanks for everything. And I can't wait to hear how this turns out and see how Buckeye nation reacts. I, I'm very excited, Joe. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the opportunity because I know we can help a lot of people. Absolutely, man. Well, you make it a great rest of the week and, uh, we'll be in touch soon, my man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Greg.